I want to talk uh, this morning about a, a moment in God. Because I don't know, uh, I'm glad that you think it's great, Scott. Because I don't know why you, why you think that we're here this morning. I mean, we're not here to kind of do a religious duty. But we're, all, we're not even here to learn about God. Because that doesn't really change anything. We're here to have a moment with God. We're here for an encounter with God. It's like one moment with God can change everything. And I don't know what you've come here for, to be entertained, to get some thoughtful input, what, I don't know, but I've come here because I need a moment with God. Because I know that one moment with God can change my life. I know that one moment with God can shift purpose, destiny, future, can break strongholds, can open doors, can change my life. And it's like, God, I need one moment with you. But I think the thing about a moment with God is we can often miss it because perhaps it doesn't look and sound as big and as dramatic as we think that it should. Um, uh, A few weeks ago, we celebrated Easter. And, uh, you know, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, we kind of know what that's about. Jesus had had a secured forgiveness of sin for the, for the world. He'd, he'd conquered death. He'd defeated the devil. He'd risen again, the first fruit of, of a new creation. It's like the most massive event in history happened on that day. And yet in the moment, it didn't look as dramatic as that. And so this account in John 20, this is Mary's at the tomb. It says that she, she, at this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. She didn't realize it was him. He asked, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener. It looked incredibly ordinary in the moment. So that she actually missed the moment. She had a moment with the resurrected Lord of history. She had a moment with the divine savior. She had a moment with the first fruit of a new creation and and she didn't realize it because it looked so ordinary. And and she says, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I'll get him. And And then he just said this, he said, turned to her and he just said her name, one word, Mary. And it's like one word was enough. And she got it. And she cried out in her Aramaic and mother tongue, like she's got it. But it was, it, it was a quite ordinary moment, and it was one word, Mary. See, I don't know what you think a moment with God looks like, but it can look quite ordinary. And then, then he unpacks them all, do not hold on me, I've not ascended to the Father, go and sit to my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to the Father. And so there's a whole lot of theology there. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. That one word, actually, Mary, that was the start of the church. That's the first encounter with the risen Christ, and she'll go on and give testimonies to the disciples, to the apostles, who will go on in 50 days to launch the church. But the, the reason you are here today as the church of Jesus Christ is one moment when Jesus spoke one word to a woman and just said, Mary. And I just think that there are moments in God that we miss the significance of because they can look a bit underwhelming in the moment. Um, uh, when I was in my early 20s, I was a, uh, it might be hard for Pastor Scott to believe this, but I was a youth worker. Uh, yeah, I know, wow. If you, 30 years time, you could look as bad as this if you carry on a youth worker. No, no. Um, but, um, 
But I was a youth worker and we had this kind of amazing kind of mini revival, mini move of God where just God's sovereign power would touch whole crowds of young people and they'd just sovereignly kind of fall under the power of God with no one touching them. It was just a phenomenal time. And in that time, I, my mother was struggling with some stuff and I thought I should really pray for my mother, that she would have a, a, a moment with God because she'd made a commitment earlier on in her life, but it hadn't really lasted. So I went around to her place one day and, and said, oh, mom, can I pray for you? And just as soon as I put my hand on her, the power of God hit her and she kind of went splat out back and she was out like, and then she finally like comes around and we prop her up and I was kind of like, what happened? And she, she was like, oh, I don't know, this bright light. It's all around me, and I just couldn't stand up. And then this voice said to me, um, I'll take care of you. And then, yeah, but, but, and she had a funny look on her face, and I said, What are you thinking? And she said, Oh, I guess I was expecting more. And I, th- <laughs> um, and I never really asked her what she meant, but it's interesting because in the 30 years since then, actually, God has taken care of her, primarily, probably through my wife that we we took her in to live with us for 10 years when we shifted to Auckland, helped her get into a retirement village. Now, my wife, my brother, our kids look after her and stuff. Actually, that one sentence, I will take care of you, has defined the next 30 years of her life. But in the moment, she was like, eh, wasn't that, I guess I was expecting more. And I, I think there's an issue that that the moments with God we can miss because they, they're often so simple, so, um, I don't know, but, but if I, now I unpack this, it's like, hold on, mum, the, the creator of the universe promised that he's got your back, that he's gonna look after you, that he's, but it's almost like you have to ponder it, you have to think of it, you have to grasp the significance because in the moment it can, it can look a bit ordinary. It can look a bit understated. It can look a bit, uh, we can undervalue it. But you know what Jesus said? Guess what, guys? This is how the kingdom works in our lives. Uh, He told a number of parables like this. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field, though it is the smallest of the seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of the garden plants. God's intervention in our life always looks like a mustard seed. Small, seemingly insignificant like what, what, what relevance is that, God? But you, don't, you need to understand how the kingdom works. A moment with God is not kind of like fairy godmother waves a wand and everything changes. No, a moment with God is seed gets planted in your life. And it has the capacity to grow and become something that can redefine the rest of your life. We need to learn to have, how to have a moment with God. We need to learn how to receive a word and and to ponder the depth of it and to take it into our hearts and realize this is something that could grow and change my life. But it may not look that impressive in the moment. You know, he also told another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. It's one little bit that gets put into our life and there's a process in which it gets worked throughout our life. It's a process until the full impact of what's been put into our life happens. But in the moment with God, something from outside gets introduced into our life that has the capacity to change everything. I don't know about you, but I want a moment with God and I want to learn how to have moments with God that can change my life. Uh, The foundational parable that Jesus taught about the kingdom was the parable of the sower and and a picture of a farmer sowing seed, different kind of soils. And when he interprets it, he's like, the farmer sows the word. 
Listen, how's God gonna, how's God gonna intersect your life? How's God gonna intervene in your life? He's gonna put a word, Mary, to my mother, I'll take care of you. It could be one word, it could be one phrase, it could be one sentence, but the issue is, has it come from the voice of heaven? Has it come from the life-giving God? Is it the seed of God's eternal purpose into your life? It's like, learn not to miss the moments. And his whole point in the parable is some people miss the moment. Some people, it said, the Satan comes and steals it away. It's like, well, that was probably just me. That was probably just the pizza I had last night. That was a bit stupid. I guess I was expecting more. No, no, no. It's a seed from heaven. And then some people, it's like, no, verse 16, others like seed sown on rocky places, they hear the word, receive it with joy. It's like, yeah, yeah, I got my word. Yeah, but because but, there's no roots, they only last a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes, they quickly fall away. It's like, oh, it didn't really work out how I thought. And I got all excited, but it didn't really happen. And, and, and it's like, no, no, it was a word from God. Don't, don't let it get stolen away. And then the third one, you know, others like among the, th- the thorns and worries and deceitfulness of wealth, they just choke it out. But he said, but there's others, seed on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and it produces a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times. I don't know about you, but I want to learn how to cultivate the word of God. I want to learn how to cultivate those moments with God so that they produce everything that God had in mind when he spoke. When he speaks one word, one phrase, one sentence, he's seeing a harvest way out there of how it could have a massive impact in your life. Don't miss it because it's not so big and dramatic in the moment. And I have a sense that there's a lot of people here, we're gonna, when we finish at the end, we're going to pray about this. There's a lot of people, you've had, a, you've had a moment, but it's actually been lost to you. It's been stolen away from you. And it's time to pick back up that word. It's time to recover that moment and let God bring it to life again. Because that determines your future and your destiny. You know, it's interesting, even Jesus understood this. He's led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted. After 40 days and 40 nights, he's hungry. He's been fasting for 40 days. Of course he's hungry. The devil says to him, you're the son of God. You can turn these stones to become bread. Jesus says this, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's like, I am starving, but more than I need a meal, I need a word from God. Come on, more than you need your Sunday lunch, you need a word from God. Actually, more than you need your salary this week, you need a word from God. More than you need anything, it's like, I need a moment with you. I need a word from God. I need something to come from heaven and be planted in my life. I need a moment with God today. Come on, Jesus knew that. You need a moment with God today because it can plant something eternal into your life. Let me show you this right back in the... um, uh, book of Genesis, the story of Abraham. The Lord said to Abraham, this one sentence, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land, I'll show you. And then he says this, it's two sentences. If you look, it's incredibly vague. Like just this general sense that like, I'm gonna do something awesome through you that's gonna reach a whole lot of people. Right, there's not a lot of content in there. There's not a lot of work within there. I'm gonna make you a great nation and I will bless you. Oh God, I'm gonna bless you, Abraham. And down the bottom, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's not a lot of specificity. That's pretty, it's not very, not very much specific in there. Like, what was that about, God? Listen, do you realize today, 
55% of the world's population traces their spiritual lineage back to that moment. Jews, Christians, and Muslims all regard Abraham as the father of their faith, and that was the moment when it started. 3 billion, 3.78 billion people trace their spiritual lineage to that moment. 3,000 or 4,000 years later, two sentences have touched half the world. Don't underestimate the power of a moment. It's not in the bigness of the event. It's not in the content of what's delivered. It's the fact that God spoke to you. That it's about who spoke, really not what he said, because the content will grow. It will outwork. It will, it will enlarge. It will grow. and It will impact you. But it's like, I need a moment with God where he speaks something into my life. And so Abraham goes as the Lord told him. He, he's willing to stake his life on that moment. And because of that act of obedience, as I said, half the world now traces their spiritual lineage to that moment. God speaks and he responds. And so he journeys, 75 years old, journeys, he took his wife, blah, 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 they set out. And then it says this, and he traveled throughout the land as far as this great tree at Shechem. That time the Canaanites were there. Verse seven, the Lord appeared to Abraham. He has another moment with God. Again, one sentence, to your offspring, I will give this land. Again, one moment, almost every night on the news, you'll see the impact of that moment this contesting around this land. Do you see one moment, one sentence, two sentences, one phrase, one name, that's how God works in our lives. And, but notice the response. So he built an altar to, there to the Lord who had appeared to him. If you study the life of Abraham, it's like, it's not a continuum. It's like these altar moments. So Abraham journeyed from there to there. He has an encounter with God. He built an altar. He journeyed from there to there. He has an encounter with God. He builds an altar. Let me tell you, your life will not be defined by the length of your years. It will be defined probably by five or six or seven altar moments with God where you have a moment with God and he speaks something into your life. And if you'll honor that as sacred, that's what building an altar means. I recognize the holiness of this moment. I realize that the significance of this moment and I choose to respond out of my whole heart and I build an altar and I say, God, I give myself to your word. I give myself to what you wanna do. I, I sacrifice my life to your purpose. Your life will be defined by those moments. And, 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 but then the interesting thing, he goes on, from there he goes on, but what's interesting here, it says, there he built an altar to the Lord and he called on the name of the Lord. Here's the lesson he'd learned. My life is defined by altar moments. Do you know what? I'm not just gonna wait for God to speak. See, notice the order here. He builds the altar first and then he asks God for a moment. You got it? Early on, I have a random encounter with God then I have a random encounter with God. Now I've learned to respond to that well by building an altar. Now it's like, do you know what? I need a moment. Come on, I'm not just gonna wait. I'm gonna pursue a moment with God. I'm gonna build an altar and I'm gonna call out to God, God, I need a fresh word from you. God, I need a moment with you. And I suspect there's people here who's like, you need a moment with God. It's been too long since the last altar moment. It's been too long since the last time God dropped something into your life. And you're like, Jesus, like, I need a moment, God. I'm desperate. More than I'm desperate for food and salary, I'm desperate for a moment with God. 
I need a fresh word planted in my heart that guides me in the coming years. Um, Bill Johnson um, has this great quote that helped me a lot. I wish I'd known this kind of 30 years ago. He just says this, often God gives us an acorn when we ask for an oak tree. It is a process of stewarding the acorn that gives us the wisdom to manage the tree. We like, God, just change my world. And he gives us one little word and he says, you work with this. You let this grow into all that it could be and your future will come. And, and so often I think in my life I've missed the moment because you pray for something big and God gives you one little answer and you go, well, that's a fat lot of use. Like, seriously, God, I'm asking for this and you give me this? But what I've learned that Bill Johnson helped me realize is, no, no, this is how the kingdom works. So I want to tell you a story of something that I've been working through the last six or seven months that will sound stupid, okay? Don't blame me, blame God. Um, So um, about September last year, I was thinking about this year, and it's like, oh, man, for what, God, what you're calling us to do at college and life and ministry, I I reckon I needed like another $100,000 in in the budget. And I felt like God was like, he he was good with that prayer. He was like, yep, and I felt a smile upon him, and I, and I was praying, Lord, let it come in October, November, Lord, so I can set my budget with this, and, and I felt like, and I was real pumped, like, yeah, I reckon God's going to do it. I got faith for this. God's going to do it. And so then in October, we have a, um, the Acts churches, we have a national conference, and, this, and I'm believing God's about to do something. And at the end of one of the evening meetings, this guy walks up to me, and he says, oh, you don't really know me. Uh, I'm from this other city, but someone has asked me to give you something confidentially. I was like, oh, anonymously, I mean. I was like, yes, <laughs> here it is. And he reaches and he pulls out this little paper bag, like about this big, and hands it, and it's got five chocolates in it. <laughs> I, like, who gives someone five chocolates anonymously? <laughs> well, that wasn't quite what I was expecting. But because I've read this, I was like, okay, God, okay, when was the last time someone gave me chocolates? No, no. When was the last time someone felt called to give me chocolates anonymously? Like, I believe this is the start of my harvest. I'm believing this, is it? I'm believing it. So I took it home, and then the next day I was going to try and explain to Christine the deep significance of these chocolates. <laughs> and I said, oh, you know those chocolates that I got yesterday? She said, oh, yeah, I ate them last night. They were real nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she said, oh, they're my favorites. And I was like, okay, okay, God, okay. So not only was it unexpected, but the, they happened to be my wife's favorites and I didn't even get to eat them, but she liked them. So I believe this is the start of my blessing, God. I'm believing that it's coming. I believe this is the first part. And then a few months uh, later on in October, I was speaking at this conference and they, um, they organized, in the South Island, they organized this car for me to use because uh, I was traveling around about there. And, and this young guy, when I came out and he said, oh my goodness, you won't believe the car they've got. It's kind of, a, I'm, I'm that one guy who's like, I drive a blue car. So it totally wasted on me. But, he's, but it's this like European sports car that's worth seven to 10 times anything I've ever driven. And again, it's like, God, why did you do that? Uh, just like, this is a, like, I'm pursuing, like, you're doing, what is this about? And then, then I got this biggest offering that I've ever had, and then, and then going to December, we went down to Christchurch again, and again, uh, Christine asked, put out a Facebook thing, could we borrow a car? And again, we get this European sports car. 
And it's like, God, what are you doing? You're, try, you're trying to show something about, to me about yourself in this, aren't you? And then, uh, and then someone from work left with a lease car and uh, Pastor Barrett said, oh, you take over the lease. It's like, God, you're building something in my life, aren't you? And then, and then the, the last day of work, um, TEC, the Government Tertiary Funding Commission rang Pastor Barrett and said, oh, we're gonna give you another $36,000 in your budget. It's like, ah, oh, it's starting to happen. It's starting to happen. But it all started with a little silly bag of five chocolates. <laughs> and it's like, and if you think this is stupid, let me show you that it's actually biblical. In the Jewish Old Testament, they had three, <laughs> I'm serious, they had three harvest festivals. They had first fruits, on the very first part of the harvest, then they had Pentecost, a loaf, then they had tabernacles to find the first fruits, the very first part of the harvest, the priest had to stand and wave this thing before God and go, thank you, God, well, I've got my harvest. Come on, that's me with my chocolates. Thank you, God, I've got my harvest. I'm praying for $100,000. I just got five chocolates unexpectedly that my wife ate. It's like, come on, you need, if you're waiting for the final harvest, you're going to miss the moments when your harvest is beginning. Come on. No, maybe you're waiting for that kid to come back to the Lord, but maybe you had a conversation with them and they for once weren't angry about church. Maybe you're looking for something and you got a 1% pay rise and you're looking for something else. Maybe someone kind of responded to your text and went, oh no, I can't come to church this Sunday, yeah, but I'll come some. Come on, we need to learn to recognize the moment when your harvest is beginning. Because otherwise you'll miss the moment of your harvest. You'll miss the moment when God's dropping something into your life. You know, the second crop, they finally put one crop and the priest now had to cook two loaves and bring them. And it's like, now there's a bit more weight to this. I'm driving around this car going, God, I'm not there yet, but this is a sign that's happening. I thank you for the chocolates. Now I'm thanking you I get to use this car. God, it's growing, it's happening, it's happening. And then the final thing, the Feast of Tabernacles, was when they finally got their full harvest. But here, we want God to just do that. It doesn't work like that. The kingdom is like a mustard seed that starts small and grows. The kingdom is like yeast that grows out through. You've got to learn to work with the moment that God touches your life. I want a moment with God. It's probably not going to sovereignly change everything today. But your life could be very different in two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, if you have a moment with God. Let me show you this, the prophet Elijah. He had announced a, a, a drought for three years in Israel. And then he declares, go and eat and drink for there is the sound of a heavy rain. He declares that a national drought is gonna end. And if you know the story, uh, Elijah climbs up and starts praying. And tells his servant, go and look towards the sea. He went and looked, there is nothing. Seven times Elijah said, go back. The seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. Again, you're praying for a national drought to break and you see a cloud the size of a man's hand. What use is that, God? But because he's a prophet, he goes, it's starting, it's starting. When was the last time we saw a cloud? We haven't seen a rain cloud for three years. It's starting. Come on, you need to learn to go, it's starting. My harvest is starting, my future is starting. Don't wait till you see the whole thing. 
You need to recognize the moment when God's promise is starting in your life. That one contract, that one inquiry, that one song that you wrote. Come on, that one deal that you sealed. Come on, it's starting. It's starting. You know, he go, the sky grew black with clouds. The power of the Lord came on and he ran all the way to Jezreel. It's like he's a prophet. He knows to recognize when the move of God is starting. Come on, where are you missing the signs? Where are you missing the moments of the beginning of the harvest in your life? Because it doesn't look as big and as dramatic as you thought it would look. Come on, it's time to pick that up. And uh, if you, there's a whole lot of stuff we, I haven't got time to unpack at all, but in Exodus, again, they promise they're gonna inherit this whole land. And God says, I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive out. Like, this is gonna be a sovereign move of God. You're sovereignly gonna inherit this whole land. But verse 29, there's a but. But I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. This, little by little I will drive them out before you. This, until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. The problem is not out there. The problem is you've got to grow into this thing that God wants to bring in your life. God is waiting for you to, for the word to grow in you before the situation changes out there. Come on, your challenge right now is for the word to grow, for you to grow your capacity, for you to grow up to be that person that could inhabit the dream that you're feeling God's given to you. And so the challenge is how am I gonna grow into this thing and when do I start hitting obstacles? Uh, famous verse, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health as your soul prospers. Listen, your problem is not out there. Your problem is in here and in here. And again, it's like, I was praying like, God, I didn't talk about this. As soon as after, things start going wrong with this whole thing I was pursuing, and, then, and, and it, didn't, it didn't happen by November. Um, so at the end of December the 1st, I was all grumpy and annoyed with God and depressed. So I thought, I'm just gonna go and sit in the cafe and have a sulk. And... Um, <laughs> Because I believed that God was gonna give it in October and November. How many know that timing is the most difficult thing to get right with the promises of God? And I was sitting in this cafe and there's this lady from uh, Christchurch who often sends me little prophetic words and it says, Friday 1st of December, 8.59 a.m. She just texted me this, there's something you need to be patient about. <laughs> Seriously. I'm like, that, this is my response, that's classic. I was believing for a breakthrough in an area October, November, so today, December the 1st, I was sitting in a cafe feeling grumpy and disappointed that it didn't happen, and then you text that. It's like, it's a battle to break into God's purposes. And it's a battle to, the battle is in here and in here. And part of it was like, God, I'm believing for a greater, what the dreams that you've given us, the words that, they, I can't see how that's gonna happen. I need to break into something. Pastor Sam often says when you hit a ceiling, it's a spiritual warfare battle. It's a deliverance. I gotta get free of something in here. My problem's not out here, it's in here. And again, I don't wanna be all dramatic and stuff, but so if you, my story growing up with a solo mum, dad in and out of jail, I remember hiding in, my, in the kitchen with my mum with debt collectors knocking at the door. The battle to see a breakthrough financially wasn't for God to provide, it was in here and in here for me. And that was the deal with the cars. Like, can you actually 
shift out of being the poor little kid and grow into someone that God could bless. Come on, where's your battle for your breakthrough? Where's the ceiling on what God's got for you? And so, you know, Timothy um, talks about this. Maybe we can get the musicians up. Paul says to Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, this, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. I love this other translation makes it more explicit, that by them, the prophecies, you may wage the good warfare. So often we're like, well, God promised it and it never happened, so that was stink. No, no, of course there's a battle for you, the prophetic future that God spoke of. The whole point of prophecy is not, oh, well, God promised it, now I sit and wait. The whole point is something's gotta grow up in me to take that territory, to fight for that thing, to see God's breakthrough, to I step into the purposes that God has for my life. Listen, one moment can change your life, but everything in the power of hell and the power of strongholds in your mind and your heart is set to stop you growing into what God has spoken into your life. And some of you have, been, have lost or had stolen the promises of God because you hit a ceiling, because you hit a wall. And it's time to pick them back up and go, God, I can't see how I navigate from my current reality to your promise, but you said it. God, what it needs to shift to see that happen? What do I need to get breakthroughs and to see that happen? Where do I need to change to see that happen? You know, I, th- I was thinking when I was thinking about this last night that the story about the second kind of seed, it said the person receives it initially with great joy, but when trouble or persecution happens, it withers and dies because it's got no roots. See, there's the challenge. You can get a word from God, but unless it's able to actually go into your heart, it won't last the persecution. Because what happens, the default when you hit trouble is, oh, I shouldn't have got my hopes up. Oh, I should have known it was too good to be true. You actually have to have the soft soil of a heart that goes, I believe God that you could do this in my life. I believe you could, I believe I carry this already. Because then when trouble or persecution comes, it's like, this is a temporary setback. Devil, you're not gonna steal my confidence. Devil, you're not gonna run away, rob my my promises. Come on, I believe God that you've told that. I'm actually not hoping that my situation changes so that I'll believe it. I already believe it. And so I'm confident that my situation changes. Can I ask you to stand? Maybe, uh, no, sit down again, sorry. One more point. I think I'll do this. Um, When Michael Maiden came and spoke to the young adults, he talked about this thing from Judges, where again, God promises Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. That was it, one sentence. And Gideon's got all, but what? How could that work? Blah, 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 blah. And then God gives him another sentence. Go in the strength you have. Am I not sending you? Notice what Gideon does? He builds an altar. He acknowledges, I've just had a moment with God. I've got one sentence, God is sending me. That's all that I need. But the next thing that happens is Michael Maiden said, God sends him back home and says, before you can fight that battle out there, you need to fight the battle at home. You need to tear down the idol that's holding you back at home. You need to win a battle in here and in here. Then that battle's no problem at all. I wonder what's holding you back this morning. I wonder what's robbing you of the moment with God. I wonder where your battle is. No, I'm not a disappointment. 
No, I'm not a failure. No, God will bring good things in my life. No, people will like me. No, I will succeed at stuff. No, I'm not a disappointment. Now you can stand. Bill Johnson, often God gives us an acorn when we ask for an oak tree. It's the process of stewarding the acorn that gives us the wisdom to manage the tree. I was just praying about this service a couple of weeks ago and I just felt God say, there's people who have had the moments, they've lost their moment, they've had it stolen away. Can I invite, I don't know how you engage with God, just close your eyes, raise a hand or two. I'm gonna, I wanna pray that God brings back to your mind moments. Come on, his, his prophetic anointings come. Come on, he spoke. It may have been one word. Come on, it may have been one phrase. It may have been one sentence. But it was a moment with God. And you've been disappointed and it didn't pan out how you thought and it, it's kind of got crammed out of your life. But I want to invite you, in a sense, to recover the moment to build a fresh altar to God today. God, you said it. I don't know how it's gonna happen, but you said it. God, I receive it again. Come on, there's revelation being dropped from heaven. Come on, there are moments. Come on, that you've carried for a long time. Come on. It's not about are you good enough. It's not about I can't see how that would happen. It's just like that. Did God say it? Come on, did God say it? Come on, did God say it? Come on, did God say it? Then it's an eternal seed planted into your life and it will grow and bear its fruit. Come on, it's yeast that could work through your whole life. I want you to receive a moment from God. I just want you to be patient for a minute and just let, just ponder, when were those moments you had? What did God say? Come on, there's a divine remembrance happening. Stuff you, even some of you are like, I'd forgotten God said that. Come on, you carry more of God's kingdom than you know you had a moment with God. Come on, there's a harvest coming. Come on, there's a harvest coming. Come on, you have an inheritance in the kingdom. Come on, you belong in the kingdom. Come on, you're going to make a difference in the kingdom. Just maybe open up your spirit to God. Maybe just worship Him for a minute. Just one other thing I want to do. We worship You soften our hearts. We choose to soften our hearts and build an altar again. We go, Lord, your will be done. In uh, the natural cycle of our world, we're right in the middle of autumn, in case you didn't notice last night. But when I was standing down the front before the service, it's a very kind of feminine image, but I, it's like I could smell spring flowers. Winter is the season where every, whatever you try, it's not going to grow. Spring is the time when stuff just starts popping up out of your control. Come on, this is a season spiritually of spring. 
spring flowers. Things are starting to pop up. Your harvest is starting. You're not there yet. Late summer, the final harvest, autumn. But come on, spring flowers. Come on, spring flowers. I just want you to just let the Holy Spirit just put a lightness inside of you. Stuff is going to be springing up. Beautiful stuff. Colorful stuff. Come on, it's, it's time for a spring flowers to emerge in people's lives. It's time for new things. It's time to recognize God is birthing new things. It's time for something to come alive. Come on, let's sing that again. Just let God's Holy Spirit cover you. 